Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, I want to talk to you about the book, The Suicidal Mind by Edwin Schneidman. This is an older book. It's a quick read. Actually, it's like maybe 166 pages. And I got to tell you, every time I think I know everything about suicide, I learned something new. And and this book taught me uh, a few things that I'm excited to share with you. And I'm just going to read to you a few of the highlighted sections from this book, just to give you an idea of what his thoughts were, what his philosophy is, and how it relates to me. I'm going to also inter, interwine, inter, inter, interwine, intertwine my story uh, within this. So he says that in every case, suicide is caused by pain, a certain kind of pain, psychological pain, which I call psychic. Furthermore, the psychic stems from thwarted or distorted psychological needs. In other words, suicide is chiefly a drama of the mind. And I, I, so I want to stop there because I think that's so important to remind ourselves that the psychic, this psychological pain that we have, it, it stems from thwarted or distorted psychological needs. And I, that first part thwarted, so meaning that we have these psychological needs of, you know, being seen, heard, understood. Um, and he, in, in the book, he goes into a, a long list of other psychological needs that I won't get into, but because those are the at the core, those the, to be seen, heard, understood are, are the the basis of it. Um, but so there's something blocking us from achieving that right from we're we're thwarted like i tried to connect with you i tried to talk to you i tried to get you to understand me i tried to be understood and for whatever reason it's just not working so it's like we've made an attempt we've made an attempt to love we've made an attempt to to connect and and be a part of or to be of service or to reduce you know, our pain or to, um, to, to be helpful to, to whatever it is, whatever it is. Uh, and for some reason it was blocked or thwarted as Edward, uh, Schneidman talks about, but this other part where he talks about distorted psychological needs. And so to me that, that speaks to this idea that we have these psychological needs but they're a bit distorted, meaning that a distorted psychological need would sound like I want, we need to be together all the time, right? Where it's almost excessive or obsessive in what we need. And I think that, you know, speaks a little bit to addiction where we have such a need to feel comforted or to feel uh, uh, safe, or to reduce the intensity of our pain or of our emotions, that we then go to a drug or a stimulant, or you know, food or what have you, to kind of 
deal with this distorted psychological need. You know, I think like I have friends who always need to be with somebody or they always need to be working. You know, the distorted psychological need, you'll hear that word always or only or or never. It's it's so extreme in in the need for it where there's no breathing room for the other person or the other thing. And so you know, as I'm saying this, be aware of what your distorted psychological needs may be. And it could, to you, it may be reasonable, but to someone else or to your company or uh, whoever else is involved, it may be unreasonable. It may be too much for them. And this is all relative, right? Because in some, in some instances, we need extremes. Uh, you know, for instance, if you, you know, you have a bruise on your arm and you have swelling, well, now we got to put an ice pack on there. And, you know, ex- ice is extreme cold. We typically don't need extreme cold to operate in our everyday lives. But when we have a swelling, well, now we need extreme cold. When someone has a heart attack, Now we have to shoot them with, you know, a a thousand volts of electricity to bring them back to life. That's extreme. But that's not something that we need on a daily basis. So some of our psychological needs are, are distorted in the fact that we think we need to keep that ice on all the time. Or we need to, you know, use the 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 cardiac arrest um or I I forget what it's called. The thing where they put it on your chest and they're like, clear, boom. That thing, I, I should know that because I was just looking at it on Amazon. And so our psychological needs can be like that where we, we think we need, you know, our security blanket or whatever it is at all times. You see this, you know, in some cases, I mean, a lot of people have emotional support dogs they travel with. And I'm sure in most cases, it's very necessary but I'm also quite sure in a few cases that it, they don't need it as much as they think they do. Like I said, I'm not saying this for all cases, but that's just an example. And so when we are able to reflect, step back, and, and look at, do, we, do I really need this? Is it really reasonable to expect to have this psychological need met every single time? Or can I step back from it a little bit and somehow meet my own psychological needs in a way that's healthy and not destructive? Um, So I just want to go back and and read his definition that, you know, the psychate stems from thwarted or distorted psychological needs. And, you know, also digging a little deeper on that thwarted part, a lot of times when we feel like our psychological needs have been thwarted, like we couldn't get to it, they've been stopped, they've been halted, they're, they're held up, um, we haven't explored all the options associated with it. We may think we have. There's so many people who have this psychological need to connect with their father, or their mother, 
or society at large. You see this on social media where, you know, you just, uh, you're really trying to connect with your fan base and get them on board. Um, and it gets thwarted. And it's so tough to bounce back from that. And we think that we've done everything that we possibly can do to make this connection, to, to feel this, to, to feel like we belong. And the truth is, maybe we haven't. Because a lot of times what we, what we struggle to do is ask for help or assistance or, some, or you know, form some type of collaboration or coalition or ally with someone that can help us achieve our need, our psychological need, to help us feel seen, heard, or understood. Sometimes it's presented and we bat it down. There's a story in um, The Suicidal Mind where there's a woman who uh, is thinking about ending her life. And she does these kind of passive things to let her friends know that she's in pain and hurt and bothered. Um, and, and they don't notice the signals. Yet there was a there was a, another couple who recognized it and said, hey, we see that you're in pain. We see that you're suffering. We see that it, it, it feels uh, unbearable. Why don't you come stay with us for a little while? And, and we will nurture you, take care of you, love you, and all those things. And she turned it down. She said no. Because she wanted it not from them. She wanted it from these, these people who she said were her friends. But her brain didn't recognize that, one, she wasn't being direct in what her needs were. And two, maybe they're, they're you know, her friends can't be all the things that she expects them to be. Meaning that in our heads sometimes we say, well, because you're my friend, now I've had this psychological construct of what a friend is. Well, if you're my friend, you would do A, B, and C, right? And sometimes the friend is just not capable. They just don't have that capability. They have their own stuff going on. They have their own issues their own challenges, their own life that they're dealing with. And so we get upset because this thing that I want from you, you're not giving me in the way that I want it. And now we're blaming you, we're hating you. And, and then we also turn it on ourselves and say, well, if you're my friend and and you don't care and you're not caring for me and you're not loving me, then I must not be lovable. I'm, I must not be somebody that can be cared for even though there are signals from other people who are willing to step in and care for you and love you in the way that you're asking for. But because it's not coming from where you, you want it to come from or expect it to come from, we don't notice it or we, or we thwart our own, we thwart our own opportunity to have our psychological needs met. And I've done this, you know, it's like in, in dating and relationships where, you know, there's somebody that you want to date and want to be with and, and yada, yada. And they say, no, but there's somebody else who is definitely interested, who would fulfill if you really took time to think about what your needs were. 
who would be able to fulfill those needs, but we go, no, 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 I want it, I want it from her. And 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 there's and there's no real logical basis for it. We're just writing pure instinct, emotion, reaction. It's almost like, you know, you go into a grocery store to get mangoes. They don't have mangoes. The store next door has mangoes. Uh, but you don't go into the store next door because you want it from this store. You should have mangoes. You guys always have mangoes. And they got the same mangoes. Like Whole Foods, you know, I, <laughs> a lot of people like to go to Whole Foods because, it, you know, it makes them feel a certain way. I mean, also Whole Foods carries a lot of things that other stores don't carry, but also vice versa. And But if you go to, like, a regular grocery store, you'll find that they're carrying a, a lot of the same produce from the same companies. But but I want to get it from Whole Foods. So, you know, this, this thwarted, this psychic stemming from thwarted or distorted psychological needs, uh, you know, um, I just I just really want to harp on that. You're thwarted as in you're trying to get from A to B and, and you felt shut down. And then distorted as in uh maybe the thing that you want is is too in excess or something that you you don't even need. Further in his book he talks about how um I love this. He says, if we really want to help, the most important let me start off. The most important question to a potentially suicidal person is not an inquiry about family history or laboratory test of blood or spinal fluid, but the two most important questions are where do you hurt and how can I help you? Where do you hurt? And how can I help you? Right? And I love this question because a lot of times we when I when I experience psych ache and that's and, and those thwarted psychological needs, I feel it primarily in my head. Primarily. It feels like my brain is on fire, like a swelling. Sometimes I can feel it uh, from my torso up, but it's primarily in the head. And and I say head because it's not just the brain. It just feels like my, it just feels like my head is, um, like, oh, I just want to get in there and I just want to crack it open and and scoop it out. It just it just feels like it's too big to encompass my the frame of my my head my skull but yeah it just it feels like it's uh it's on fire and what's beautiful about noticing where does it hurt and we've talked about this in previous episodes about where does it hurt and getting really specific and and recognizing that uh, certain emotions show up in different parts of our body is that when we recognize where it hurts, where the psychic takes place in our body, where the pain takes place in our body, it allows us also to then notice where the pain does not take place. 
yes, my head is on fire. My brain is on fire. Maybe my breathing's a bit shallow. My stomach is in knots. Maybe I'm I'm bawling my fists. But my knees, my knees feel great. My ankles, wonderful. The bottom of my feet, fine. Hamstrings, not a problem. Quads, A-OK. Even my hips, ready to boogie-woogie. But my brain, my head, my face, my eyes, my vision narrows, right? I become very, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, oh man, I just learned this new word from success, parochial. Like I just get like this narrow scope of the world. Ooh, parochial. Look at you, Leo, pulling out the big words. Um, but my knuckles feel feel delightful, right? My glutes, my glutes feel tight. Been doing some hip raises, but my brain, sometimes my neck, my throat, inflamed. It's almost like I just want I could just want to peel, just want to twist my head off and and put it off to the side. And so it's beautiful about noticing and asking ourselves or asking someone else, where does it hurt? And sometimes you might, we might feel like it's our entire body, right? Where we're just so agitated, can't sit down, we're pacing back and forth. Um, It's like we just kind of feel untethered. Sometimes it's the entire body. And then in those cases, I find that a a hot bath or a cold shower does the trick for me. You know, hopping in the lake, changing the state with, with, you know, heat or cold, infrared sauna, ice bath. If I feel like it's my entire body going for a swim, then I have to do something that is asking something of my entire body. You know, the beauty of we we have a house now and uh, there are leaves that have to be raked every single day. And I got to tell you, there's something meditative and soothing about using my entire body. It's just something, it allows me to be expressive. We, We have a pool table, and for the same reason, it allows me to get, what's in my body out of my body so find those things for you if it's not pool if it's not swimming if it's not raking leaves it could be laundry it could be cleaning the floors it could be you know being of service to someone else cleaning up the beach find you know notice where it hurts if it if it is in your head then that's when we we take the time to notice where it doesn't hurt also. Kind of lay down and sit with that. I did a show um, the other night, and I it was, I bombed. I felt like I did. This is just how, this is just what I was thinking. Right? I was like, oh my God, that was horrible. They'll never invite me back. 
I'm going to get booed off. I don't want to show my face to the audience. I just, ah, I just did not. I felt I was so perturbed and agitated and upset and frustrated with how I did. Because what was crazy is the first show was great. I did two shows. The first show was amazing. The second show, horrible. And, And I tried to talk myself down. I tried to be logical. I was like, you know, Leah, because I was hosting, and I haven't hosted in a while. And if you know anything about stand-up comedy, hosting a show is much different. What you do as a host as of a comedy show is much different than what you do if you are headlining the show or if you're featuring the show. The host is there to kind of get a feel for the audience, you know, tune in, anybody celebrating anything, um, you know, any birthdays, anniversaries, you know, kind of get a lay of the land. What's the racial makeup? Any couples in the audience? All those different things. Is it a young audience, older audience? Are people mostly tourists or are they from the local area? All those things. You're, you're just there to kind of, you're there to kind of get a sense of who's there so that the, the feature and the headliner now have this rich uh, information to play with, right? You're there to kind of mine the fields and make everybody comfortable. Let them know where the bathrooms are and uh, and clap it up for the, the servers and, and all of that, right? And make any announcements. And I just tried to go up there like, instead of doing that, I just went up there and did my set. I just went straight into material. It's almost like if you're going in for a job interview and, or a meeting, and you immediately just get right down to business. And the other person is like, hold up, man. Let's, let's just chat for a little bit, you know? You find out a lot of business meetings are like that, where before we get down to business, where we, before we get down to brass tacks, first let's, you know, let's talk about the weather, the sports, how are your kids, all those things. And then we can, we can hop into business. And I skipped all the small talk and went straight into my set. And then it went, it didn't go well. And once I had an understanding of the strategy I needed to employ at that moment and for future moments when I'm hosting, it helped to dissipate the psychic and the pain. Because I, I got to tell you, I was... I was run. I was. I was. I was looking for some type of external fix for what I was going through. I was so, and I just. I was really feeling unmoored. It was almost like, you know, the the straight A student getting an F on a test. I was like that. I was at a ten of intensity, and and I. I really, it took me a long time to calm myself down internally. I think externally. It would have been hard to notice for people, but internally, I just felt undone. And and I finally found peace, and because I remember Tony Robbins talked about, look at your story, state, and strategy. And I realized I had to look at my story. The story I was telling myself was that I sucked and that was awful. But if I reframe the story to say, I was hosting when I wasn't expecting to host. So that did not really give me time to prepare 
in a way to have a successful, uh, you know, outcome. And also the, it was in my head. It's not like I didn't get booed off the stage. No one said that I was awful. There was a guy even after the show was like, man, you were great. You know? Um, so, you know, reframing my story and had to change my state. I, I didn't sit down. I walked around, I got outside and being outside helped to kind of change my state, feeling that cool air, that wind. Right. And then my strategy, my strategy I know now is to go up there and play more of the host and check in with the audience before I just kind of dump who I am on them right off the bat. You know, especially given um, the fact that they were still receiving drinks and and uh, and giving their orders for food, et cetera, et cetera. What you know, part of what happened was also um, I've been working cruise ships for a long time um, up to that point, and this was my first club gig after working cruise ships. And on a cruise ship, there's no drinks; people come in, and it's more of a theater audience where they're ready to listen. So I'm bringing this all up to you to say that when we can take time to reflect on those moments of psychache, it helps to dissipate future psychaches. It helps us to better cope with it on our own if we can do it in a healthy way, right? Because if I had that psychache and then I turned to food, drugs, or sex, or alcohol, then that would continue to be my coping mechanism, and I would never have taken the time to reflect on my story, state, and strategy. You know, I also journaled and, and wrote it down to help give me some clarity and and zoom out a bit. And um, and I could also have asked for feedback. You know, there's two other comics there. So I had all these different options. And that's something that time uh, gives you and helps you to realize is that, oh, I had these options in this circumstance. I, I, it wasn't like, or I had these resources I could have turned to. Uh, to help me cope with what the moment was. Uh, and and so I, I realized I was partly embarrassed to even ask for feedback, but that would have been an opportunity for growth. And so I could have grown in another way, but, uh, you know, I let the embarrassment kind of rule me. So that's something, you know, to take note of. And, and, that's, and that also helps me to feel more secure and grounded for you know those uh, future times, because that's not going to be the last time I have a performance and I go, oh my god, that was awful, that sucked, I can't believe you did that, and and become kind of undone, um, you know, just a part of life, and and that's what you, that's the chance that you take when you're performing in front of other people. So, going back to, you know, the psychic and the, you know, really understanding. What is causing the the disturbance? What is causing the perturbance? Why are you? Why are we so perturbed? Why are we feeling this this anxiety, this anguish, this um, you know, just being upset? Because you know, the other part was of my anxiety. I was thinking about the future a lot. I was like, man, this club will never bring me back. Uh, this comic will never want to work with me, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you start thinking about the future. So to find these ways to kind of ground ourselves in where does it hurt, 
you know, would hurt in my head. And so when I got outside um, and let that fresh air, you know, feel that fresh air on my body, that helped to calm me down. So that was calming me down from the external to internal. Sometimes I can calm myself down from internal to external through what I'm saying to myself, the thoughts that I'm having, the, the beliefs, the change, the reframing of my narrative. But sometimes I need to be cooled from the outside in. And so ideally, we can, we can do both of those things, right? So where does it hurt? And if, and if you're in pain right now at this moment, ask yourself, where does it hurt? Does it, does it hurt in my throat, in your chest, your hands? Where, do you, where does it hurt for you? And then the second question is, how can I help you? And this is a beautiful question. First question is, where does it hurt? Second question is, how can I help you? Now, sometimes we have to find a way to help ourselves. Going back to the example I gave, I it would have been beautiful for me to ask for feedback. Hey, how do you think I could have approached that differently? Sometimes we don't ask for help, one, because we don't trust the people around us to help us. As in, we we may think that they are going to use it against us, uh, or you know, or it's going to make us look weak or vulnerable, or like we're incapable. You know, in my case, like I said, I was I was embarrassed, I was ashamed, um, and I just like wanted it all to go away and hide and and hope and hope that people forget about it. But I could have I could have faced it, engaged, and used it as an opportunity for growth and connection because. What I find is people love to give their ideas and advice when you ask for it. They love it. They lo- people love to give feedback. I mean, look at Yelp, Google, YouTube, uh, Facebook, all the social. They're, they're thriving off of comments. People love to comment. So by asking someone for help, we are giving them an opportunity to comment in real life. Where does it hurt and how can I help you? And sometimes if we don't know how we can be helped, we can just say, if you could just, you know, hold space for me right now. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how I can be helped. I just know that I, I need to say that I need help. And just knowing that, uh, you know, you're here and near that, that helps me to feel supported. And I've had those situations where I have expressed my psychic to friends and colleagues and and other and strangers and they have asked like how can I support you? How can I help you? And I've said just the fact that you even asked that just the, the fact that you asked me how is enough. I just need to know I'm not alone in this corner and as well that I'm, I'm not I'm not going in a battle I'm not on a battlefield by myself just to know that you're willing to back me up it's, kind, it's almost kind of like uh you know I carry an inhaler with me and I feel you know safe and secure because I have it with me I haven't had to use it in months I can't remember the last time I used it actually but just to know that I have it, just that just I know it's there. 
that helps me to feel secure. And so when we reach out and we're asking for help and somebody goes, well, how can I help you? Boom, that's like, man, you got your inhaler with you. If you, you don't, hopefully you never have to use it, but it's just nice to know that's, that, that it's there, that someone is willing and able to do that for you. And sometimes you can say, you know, I don't know, can you, you know, I'm just feeling a bit of psychic and, um, and, and it hurts. And we could just start off with, well, well, it hurts here, here, and here. You know? So over time, as we get more adept at um, expressing our pain and where it hurts and, lo- and locating it, it becomes easier for us to ask for help. And this is the beauty of going to therapy also. The, the therapy allows you to be more aware of what you need, what your psychological needs are. You know, do we need to be helped? Do we need to be heard? Do we need to be hugged? The better we get at knowing what we need and, and being aware that you know, they can be met on some level from others. The more safe we feel. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. I'm going to keep referring back to this book, The Suicidal Mind. because There's so much more in here that I'd, I'd love to cover. But um, I, I just wanted to express that part where do you hurt how can i help you and and really understanding that you know the psychic stems from thwarted or distorted psychological needs that's where the the pain is is coming from um but we, you know we're going to delve more into this uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of before you kill yourself um, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Thank you all for sharing the episodes. And um, we we are, you know, more and more people are listening, which tells me that more and more people, more people like you have been sharing it and uh, and loving it. And I really appreciate the five stars on iTunes. Um, and I'm, I'll be, uh, you know, releasing more episodes more more frequently. So I look forward to spending more time with you. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. Or you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-2... Oh, my God, I can't believe I still did that. Scratch that. You're calling the 988, not the 1-800. They changed it, 988. Um, calling the 988 number. And then if you're international, if you're in you know, Australia or um, Uruguay, wherever you are, um, there are international phone numbers for you. Uh, you can always, like I said, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.